Hello there and welcome to Community Live. Here we talk with the community experts about their life journeys and how they came into the community world. And today we have a conversation with Deb Shell, a constant traveler, experienced photographer, writer, podcaster, founder of Ain't Calm Here Community and community strategist. So hello, Deb. Hi there, Yuri. Thanks so much for inviting me here today. I'm always happy to talk to you. And the first question, what is your favorite animated film? Oh, goodness, golly, Miss Molly, animated film. Um, well, we were talking about, I was camping this past weekend, and we, we, we were talking about WALL-E. I kind of like that. That's, pro that's probably a good one. I like WALL-E. I'll say that what one. Moment, what moment from it do you remind right now? Just like the loner. I'm gonna be, yeah. I, I resonate with being alone and just doing this whole journey of like, I'm, I'm well, and I clean up a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm basically alone in my house cleaning up half the day, <laughs> besides writing content and stuff. So, <laughs> got it. I'm a little bit of a clean freak. <laughs> <laughs> How did anyone told you that, or it's your thoughts? That I like to clean? Yeah, does it you uh, have this? Yeah. Among many businesses that I've tried to start over the, <laughs> the last 20 years, one of them was a cleaning business. And I used to clean in hotel rooms and um, houses. But I realized after 10 years of doing that, that I really never wanted to enter anyone's house with cleaning supplies <laughs> ever again, because that was like ridiculously too much work and, and stress. So Um, but I like cleaning only because it's instant gratification. It's like if I wake up and I go downstairs and the first thing I do is kind of like tidy up the space because then it, it's just mentally, I just feel a lot better when I have like a clean environment and then I can like use my creative brain. If there's like a lot of, I went through a whole minimalism process back in, uh, uh, 2015. 2015 or 2016, 2017, where I like decluttered and did all the stuff with minimalism. And that kind of got me really into the like less is more kind of movement. So it's now become a part of my personality, I would say over time. Hmm. What, what more gives you an instant gratification? What is what? I'm sorry. What's more giving you an instant gratification? What is more? Yeah. What other things give me instant gratification? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, well, uh, <laughs> food. <laughs> I'm definitely, totally. I definitely enjoy some some good food and some good beer, some good uh, some good. Well, I'm pretty much a, a coffee, wine, and beer snob, so I like you know really great coffee, really good craft beer, and amazing wine from local vineyards. Those are my those are my uh, key things. <laughs> If you would have to choose only one drink for the rest of your life, coffee, wine, or beer, what would you choose? Coffee. Mm -hmm. Always, always I coffee. Love some good, I love some good coffee. Like I used to grind, grind the beans and do the whole like pour over thing. I don't do all that work anymore, but I, I usually get organic, like good organic um, sourced coffee. How many cups of coffee do you usually have during a day? <laughs> well, 
Well, it's a lot less now. When I was a journalist and a reporter, I used to drink a pot of coffee a day. <laughs> I kind of picked that up from my editor somehow, but um, now I'm trying to stick to like three cups. There was a time when I quit coffee for a while um, and I just did tea and I got into tea a lot. So coffee, yeah, coffee and tea are kind of like, you know, it depends on the mood there, but um, I would say coffee always wins the day. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Tell me about your parents. Who are they? Oh, my parents. This is an interesting question. So my parents are quite interesting. My um, parents met when they were missionaries in New York City. And they were standing at subway stations in the city and trying to mission to people who were in New York. And then they met and fell in love. And my dad sold his uh, property in New Jersey where he had lived at the time. And his parents, he's about 14 years, he was about 14 years older than my mother. And so his parents had actually already passed. And so he's, he was living in their house. He sold their house and then moved to Pennsylvania where I grew up and uh, had me and my parents. Uh, my mom was an RN for many years. She's now retired. My father was a cartoonist by hobby and a biker and he also did skateboarding tricks so he was very adventurous and cre my creative side definitely comes from my father um and then my analytical and like just the important fact stuff comes from my mom's side but uh, my father passed away a few years back and so i miss him very much but uh my mother is in bliss with my sister and her two children because my mother has been wanting grandchildren for a really long time and unfortunately i wasn't able to fill that gap for her but luckily my sister saved the day and so my mom is in heaven with the kids celebrating the joy of a two-year-old and a one-year or four-year-old. Well, he's almost going to be four. My nephew's four and my niece is going to be one. Do you ride bikes? Do I ride bike? I don't right now. I used to get, I got into spin, like spin bikes for a while. And I had a spin bike and then I got kind of out of it. I have a bike. This is a good question. I have a bike. It's hanging up in my storage closet outside right now. And I bought it last year because <laughs> I thought that was going to be a good idea. And then it just sat there and it needs tires. It needs to get my tires. In it needs a lot of work, basically. And I haven't made the effort and I haven't figured out how to take the wheel apart because it doesn't fit in my little Honda Civic. So um, <laughs> it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> so that's a, I'm giving excuses of why I don't ride my bike, basically. <laughs> What was the story? Why did you decide to purchase it? Oh, that's another thing. Well, my ex that I was living with last year wanted a bike and didn't have one. And so I bought one and was like, but this is my bike. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ride it. <laughs> Even though it wasn't like rideable because it needs. And it's like what I also realized was that it's too short. Or I'm too short for the bike. I'm sorry. The, sh the bike is taller than me, basically. And I can't actually, like, get on the bike without, like, assistance from, like, a step stool or something. 
<laughs> so probably not the best buying purchase uh, that I've made for the last couple of years. But um, yeah, it was kind of more of a spiteful, silly thing. Why do, you, why do you still keeping him, them eat? The bike I'm keeping because I really do. I have a new, I live in a nice little new neighborhood that I moved in last year and it's much less um, traffic. And mm. so it would be a good for me to start practicing riding bike. Cause I think my biggest fear was about like falling off the bike because I'm just not, I haven't ridden a bike outside for a really long time. So I've been on spit bikes, but you know, there's like mm, yeah. stable versus, <laughs> you know, so, um, I think I'm keeping it because I really want to prioritize like eventually being able to practice riding it. And one of the things that I need to do is reach out to a friend who said she has a bike rack. So once I get a bike rack and I can take it to the store and have somebody look at it to like fix it up, um, and then see if I can get the seat lowered, <laughs> that I can actually ride it. Then I'll take it because I go to state parks all the time and there's a lot of really great rails to trails here in Pennsylvania. So those would be good places to practice. So those are my like one day kind of things, but that's why I'm keeping it. Yeah, I can, I, I can feel it. I also have a bike somewhere, so I totally get it. Cool. So let's move to yourself. What is the first memory of your childhood that comes to your mind right now? Uh, playground with my sister and my dad playing tennis. Uh, my dad was teaching me tennis when I was a kid and we, there was like a, a brick wall where they would play movies in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Um, they would project like movies onto this thing. And my dad and I would actually use that during the day and we would hit tennis balls against the wall to practice, um, instead of like in the actual tennis court. Um, and then we would ride our bikes, uh, to the playground and that was a whole thing. And so, and then they had like a middle, a mini, um, mini golf course there, but you had to bring your own golf clubs. So we would like pack our car sometimes to bring the golf clubs and kites and like spend all day there. So I would say, yeah, that's Do you still play cool tennis? Memory. No, probably the Why? last time was with my dad. I played table tennis. No, that's different, right? Yeah, at least it it, it has the word tennis in it. So <laughs> I do play table tennis. In fact, I was a member of for a good time a table tennis club um, in uh, the central Pennsylvania area here. Who at one point the table tennis club had hosted the Pennsylvania State Table Tennis Tournament every mm -hmm. year. And so people would come from all over the state to Middletown, this little town where I used to live. It's about half 45 minutes from where I'm at now. And they would all come and they would have ratings. And so you would have to qualify and have a specific rating to be able to play, to qualify. And then you would like only be able to play with rated players in your category. Um, but I ended up photographing this when I was a journalist in, in Middletown. I, I covered it for a couple of years. And then I made really good friends with them, a lot of the, the members. And so I would go and play all the time and practice with them, which they were much better than me. But I made really good friends with um, this one guy, um, John, who is hilarious. He's got this, I think he's like 
I want to say you. He might be Ukrainian. I don't know where he's from, but he has a really thick accent from over. I I would want to say somewhere, um, in that in that region, and he mm-hmm. would always be like Debbie, come on, play, let's go. And then whenever he would, before he would um, toss the like hit the paddle to like serve, he would be like, "Are you ready?" Yeah, <laughs> and I'd be like, "Yes," <laughs> and he'd go, "No, uh, are you ready? One hundred percent." And I said, 90%? No, 100%. <laughs> it was so funny. And we had such a good time. So I, I, I miss them. Um, I just haven't made the time to go out and play. I saw them. Um, actually, I hadn't gone there for about 10 years. And then just last year, I went back because I was like, man, I got to get back to table tennis. So that was one of the <laughs> things I started um, joining back in a little bit. So, yes, I have played table tennis in the last year. Have you ever answered to him no for his question? Are you ready? I have, but then he's like, "Come on!" It just makes <laughs> us like, "Come on, Deb, <laughs> let's go." <laughs> he's just yeah. such a great guy. He's got so much like like you with just the energy, the high energy, <laughs> and just like positivity of of um, things. Even when I'm like frustrated, when I'm like missing every single. Like, you know, every single time I'm hitting, it's like too high. He goes too high, too fast, too much depth. Back up. He goes back up. <laughs> I just love his accent. I just love people with accents. I just have always been somebody who really enjoys a good accent. So. Was he? Uh, is he a table tennis coach? No. Well, he was. He was mine. <laughs> If I was his, he was the un, un, uh, official, unofficial, <laughs> Deb's unofficial table tennis coach. Yes. <laughs> And what about tournaments? Have you ever been there? I've uh, photographed a tournament. I've never been in a table tennis tournament. Yeah, but uh, did you want? I at one point I thought it would be pretty cool, but they are really hard to beat. You've got to be pretty good to get qualified in the tournaments. At that time, this is like 2010, 2012. <laughs> they stopped doing the tournaments because it kind of uh, died off in in popularity. It kind of um, uh, yeah, but there is a good club actually around where I live now. There is actual a more popular table tennis club, but I don't think there's tournaments, at least that I know of, um, in Pennsylvania anymore. Tell me about your sister. My sister. My sister is. Her name is Melody, and Melody is two years younger than I am, and she is going to be celebrating her 40th birthday next month in August, and to celebrate this occasion she has decided she wanted to take a hot air balloon ride and her husband did not want to go and my mom did not want to go so i said i am happy to go on a hot air balloon ride with you so uh next month her and i are going to we're going to get her away from her children for like 24 hours which is impossible <laughs> usually and yeah. we're gonna go uh have a nice dinner and we're gonna celebrate and we're going to uh, wake up really early and do a hot air balloon hopefully Uh, as long as the uh, the weather uh, coordinates with us, because it's really tricky. If you've ever heard of anything about hot air balloons, it's very tricky. 
uh, weather-wise. It has to be like 14 knots or something. I don't know. There's very specific parameters for taking a hike. Yeah, it, it, I, I heard a little about it. So it has to be lower than the average temperature because otherwise you can't uh, fly it. You can't get up. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I actually it, volunteered for um, last year. I tried to volunteer. They have a, the balloon festival here, hot air balloon festival. And I volunteered for that, and they had three balloons that got three or four balloons. They got got up when they went to launch, and then it, the weather changed. So it's like it's really a hit or miss thing. <laughs> so yeah, about my sister, I'll tell you about my sister. Um, she's an amazing, supportive sister that. Uh, we get to do little adventures here and there. I try to, so that's our next upcoming adventure, but we try to go on some kind of little mini adventures every once in a while. And uh, she's very supportive for me. She's always been very supportive to me. Tell me about one of those adventures. A uh, different adventure we did was we went to Pittsburgh. I used to live in Pittsburgh, which is about four hours from where I am now in the Western part of Pennsylvania. And, um, back in 2012 and we went on all kinds of adventures and I took her out and had, she had her like a first drink when I used to live there, she would come visit me and she doesn't really drink, but she had her first drink. Um, fun things like that. We would just go on these different adventures throughout the city and go to the zoo. And, um, but I was just always making sure she, my, my biggest thing was, is that she had a good experience because <clears throat> she's typically not somebody who would get out of her comfort zone very often. She's very like, comfortable to stay right at home with doing the same things and she's very like that's where she likes like she likes to hang out with certain people that she's really really close with and so I always try to kind of push her out of her comfort zone by saying all right well let's go and do this thing and uh so yeah and then like randomly like having her in a field <laughs> one time I was trying to take a picture I was like I want you to be my model and she's like okay so because my sister always agrees with me so she doesn't typically disagree with me she's a little bit more disagreeable now in her 40s like well she's not in her <laughs> 40s yet she'll kill me for saying that in her uh, older adult years she's a little bit more disagreeable but typically like anytime when I was a kid I would ask her to do something she'd like okay <laughs> and then one time I asked her be in a field and be my muse and like, you know, do these folk. I gave her these funky like arm things to do. And I came up to her like, like really close. and was like, I'm going to take a picture of you right here. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> but I had her doing these weird positions and stuff in the field. Like of just like holding her arms in places. It was just hilarious. And she, uh, yeah, I, I have like so many stories I could go into, but I won't say too many because she might get mad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to ask her about it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Melody is a supportive sister. So what kind of sister are you? Oh, goodness. Um, one that tells her what to do a lot of the time. <laughs> I used to be able to give her advice, but now it's more about me get, make, taking her advice, typically. <laughs> She's actually one of the people that I like. I like, okay, I need to talk to Melody about this. Um, but I would say as far as I, I try to be supportive with her kids and um, I moved closer. So I left the city and I'm now living about 10 minutes uh, from my sister. So popping over uh, to help the kids out is something I do quite often. I'm actually babysitting next week. Yay. 
um, and hanging I, out with I, my I, niece I, and my nephew are fun. I guess that you are very happy about while saying about babysitting. <laughs> I'm happy about it because I love it until I don't. And then I get to leave. Because <laughs> uh. then I'm like, oh, this is fun. Okay, I'm leaving now. <laughs> as soon as they start to cry or scream or poop or something, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> But I, I think we, we um, I... I kind of, you know, have this, the mindset of wanting, like I said, wanting to have her have a great experience whenever we're doing something together. So, um, I hosted a, like, uh, her bridal shower for her when she got married, her baby shower, when she first had her kid, I was very, uh, I'm very detail oriented. So I like to get kind of, and I, I'm an entertainer as community people, we love to bring people together. And I have been bringing people together in person for many, many years. And so I love having a, a good party and hosting. So that's one of my, Melody knows I'm always the person to go to for a good party. <laughs> Do you always follow Melody's advices? No, I should. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time I should. No, she doesn't always, you know, and two, I think we're at an age now where we kind of both understand that we have our own journey. And so when <sighs> the last two years have been really tough personally for me for a lot of reasons. And so she's, she's been the, the silent supporter of like, okay, Deb, you'll, you'll see what you need to do. I'm not, you know, she gives some insight. She's like, you know, says some things and then it's like, you'll figure it out. So She's kind of that person now, um, I, th I think much more, but she's very good with like financial advice because she's good with money and I am not good with money. <laughs> Whenever there's a question as far as that goes, that's definitely somebody I would ask. <laughs> Tell me about the mission trip to Alaska in 1996 with your grandfather. Oh goodness, you're like really pulling, uh, pulling back the layers here, dude. I love it. So my grandfather was a pastor and he would do group mission trips with his church every like summer. And they would go, there was a, a mission camp in Alaska and Anchorage area that they would go to. And um, there were some churches that they would help rebuild and, and things like that. But, um, and I always wanted to go. I was super jealous. Every time he went, I was like, oh, go to Alaska. That sounds so cool. Because I had never been anywhere really at that point, besides like an hour away from home or something in Florida once. Like I had never really gone anywhere when I was, and this is when I was 16. I wrote an entire request for money to my church to say, here's why I want to go to Alaska. And here's why I need your money <laughs> to go. So I got myself funded to go to Alaska when I was 16. And then uh, when I got there, I was kind of frustrated because everybody like was getting like, you know, the men were getting to do like roof things and hammer and nail. And I was like, all right, what do I get to do? Like, where's my hammer? And they're like, you're going to paint signs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, can I do something a little bit more? And they're like, no, you're going to paint signs. There's the paint, go paint. Signs. So I was like, my task was to paint signs. 
But the best part about that trip was hiking at, at Denali at like nine o'clock at night because there, of course, the uh, it stays lighter till late at night. So um, just just having it be like bright as daytime at, at like a time when it's typically in Pennsylvania, like dark uh, was very was probably the highlight. And then one of the people that my grandfather was friends with, it was all mostly adults. Like I was it was I was the the only like teenager but there was one guy that was at in alaska at the camp that we were staying at who was like 21 and i had this like big crush on him the whole the whole week that we were there we were there for like two weeks or a week or two and the whole time i was there i was like oh man this is like this guy is great so i got to know uh, he took me out on like a, ca a canoe or something and i'm just like yeah i was like falling i was just like uh-huh <laughs> Like everything he said was like the most amazing thing I'd ever heard. He probably thought it, he was like, oh, this kid. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> but um, but that was that was a pretty cool trip. Um, I was yeah, I got to paint some signs. I got to to go on some cool hiking trips and go into like a tiny plane because like they get you go from one big uh, airport to then like to get to other places. You have the little smaller airplanes the smaller airport. So that was an interesting experience. I've been trying to dig out my photographs from that. I don't, and that's what my project was going to be, which is probably what you saw was I was trying to pull, dig out some, and my plan was to like write about it, but then I just, yeah, that's how I have a lot of projects and that's one that kind of was like fell to the, the side there. <laughs> Why? Cause life, cause life, cause <laughs> life I was trying yeah, I think that I was talking about that probably back in 2017. I don't know when you saw that. It was probably 2018, 2017, 18. Um, but then yeah, I, like yeah, yeah. So then I was still working in my corporate sales job. So I was busy with that. And then I was trying to start my multiple many business adventures. So it was, I've always had about seven projects going at a time. <laughs> right now I have. A number of projects going at a time. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, yeah. I don't have any good reason other than it just, yeah. But there is a thing that I wanted to do of like pulling out my, right now I am working on a project with my grandfather's photographs and I'm working on a slide curtain. And I don't know if you remember the days of slides. Do you yeah. remember what a slide is? Like, Okay, mm -hmm. when you had projectors and stuff. Yeah, well, my yeah, grandfather right. had books and books of of albums and albums of slides. And when he passed away and they went to my mom and she, so my mom was kind of storing them for me for a while and she sold her house. She said she came over to my apartment and she dropped off these boxes. She goes, here, you wanted these slides. You wanted me to hold them for you. Here they are. And in 2019, I started uh, putting together these slides with little hooks and uh drilling holes into the corners of the slides and then making a slide curtain which i had made for my kitchen windows but now i actually since i've moved i'm actually uh i combined the two panels that i had into like two larger panels and so the one of my projects is using my grandfather's slides to make curtains for my living room what I mean, where, how did you get this idea to create a photo <laughs> curtains? I was, um, 
Googling different ways to use um, old photo things because when I went to art school, I had boxes of um, film and I was going to throw my film away. And then I'm like, well, maybe I could do something fun with it. So I Googled some projects around film and there was a, a, apparently an abundance of Pinterest posts around this topic and a lot of people mm. that are doing these kinds of like, um, you know, what's the word I want to say? Like, um, and not antique, but like retro is the word I'm looking like retro kind of projects. And so mm -hmm. there was a uh, one example of a light that you bought from Ikea. And then you basically glued on the strips of film. And then I was, so I tried that, but that didn't last very long. That broke in like a day or something that didn't really work longer. But then the slide project was when I found through that. So I actually found it through a Pinterest um, post like years and years ago. And so I told my mom about it and I said I wanted to do it, but then I just didn't make, make a point of doing it until 2019 when I started doing it. And the first panel took me, it was like 40 hours. Um, the next panel was probably longer than that. It was probably more like 40 or 50 hours. I started to get a little bit better at it. So it was like a process. So, um, I don't know if I'll do all the like whole curtain panels, but right now I'm just thinking of like two side panels and that's probably going to take me about another 40 to 50 hours, <laughs> which is why it takes a long time. This is why I've been do, working on it for three years. <laughs> do you have any sequence there or just random order? Any sequences? Is that what you said? A sequence of photos. No, it's, it's very random. I went through them though, and like sorted them on things that I feel like I wanted to include. So there's a lot of people cause a lot of the, but there are a lot of like landscapes he had for some reason, this is the thing that I think is so weird. So he put these things in albums 40 or 50 years ago. Right. And then nobody opens it up until I come along and like, I'm pulling them out. And my mom did scan them in, by the way. So I'm not ruining slides that are historic or something like she digitally scanned them and then gave them to me and stuff. So they will fade. And so that's just a process of like when you hang things up and light is exposed. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the thing that I was working through was he would put just like pictures that weren't like black, like black pictures. I was like of like nothingness or like pictures that were very what I would call out of focus are very blurry, like not like pictures I would just throw away. And he still <laughs> intentionally put them in there. And I'm just like, okay, grandpa. All right. So you just really <laughs> felt that every, every single frame. And there was a, there's a, a teacher that I used to have um, in art school who said every frame matters. So you, and when that was when you had a limit of like 24 exposures or 36 exposures on a roll of film. So you, you didn't have the unlimited photo <laughs> options that we have now with digital. And so you had to make every frame count. So um, I guess because of that, he put every, every picture in his slide book, which was, so I didn't use the ones necessarily that were kind of like completely blurry or like black or dark or like where there was like something, but you couldn't tell what it was. So I kind of did some little bit of like, weeding through and kind of collect like uh, what's the word um curating my grandfather's photographs <laughs> how, how many shots are you doing right now to have one good picture 
When I take a photograph, you mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't usually take more than two or three. I've learned wow. and I've learned and learned and learned that for myself, the two things that I don't like are post-processing and having repetitive images to edit. So I typically will take a, uh, a, a medium. I'm a wide shooter. So typically that means I like to try to include as much as possible in my frame of focus. Um, and, and then I try to take a close up and then a middle. So one, so to have a, a mid, uh, a close up, a mid range, and then a wide shot. So those three versions, if I'm trying to detail or document something are the three versions that I would do. But as far as like multiple exposures and like testing out those kinds of things, I don't typically do that much unless it's a really challenging lighting situation. What do you like the most about camping? What do I like the most about camping? I was camping this past weekend and I was so happy that there was a night where it didn't rain and that I took the, um, the rain cover off of the top. And so yeah, I just have the netting. And so I just lay there and I'm just like looking out the stars. And um, that's one of my favorite parts of camping of just being able to like, and I, by the way, I, I'm kind of glamping, not really officially camping. So people listening that are like, that's not camping or something. <laughs> but I stay in a tent and I have an air mattress. I'm I'm 42. Like this this is just the way I rolled out. And I'm as I'm like doing more camping, my camping gear has definitely <laughs> expanded a lot. And I just we were talking last weekend with some friends that we were doing an improv camp and they they show up and they're like, man, this is, you've got all this set up. Cause between me and this other girl, we had like, it was glamping. Like there was just a lot of, I don't know if you know the term glamping, if you know what that means. Did they Not that? really. Can you explain what is the difference between camping yeah. and glamping? So camping typically is like, you know, sleeping bag under the stars. Maybe you have like a pop-up tent or something, but very minimal. You're cooking on the fire. There's not a whole lot of other devices involved in your mm -hmm. camp experience glamping is where it may, it's like almost as close to resembling your home as possible while still experiencing the nature <laughs> so having like a bed is like people have these like big yurts with like beds and like couches and stuff now i don't go that far but i do have i just got a new tent by the way because my four-person <laughs> tent was getting really tight with my air mattress. So I got a six person tent just so that my air mattress sits in. And um, I could have like a little table because my friend was camping, who I was camping with last weekend. She had a little table and a, and a fan and it, like like all the things that I was just like, man, I need to, <laughs> I am like slacking on this whole camping experience. Um, so anyway, so looking at the stars would be one of my favorite ones, like while laying in my comfy tent area with my blankets and pillows and then the swimming has been a new experience that I really started to do I never it's really crazy as a kid we didn't really go camping and so um as an adult I'm experiencing a lot more campgrounds and I've challenged myself to get to uh all this the Pennsylvania state parks which are there's over 120 Pennsylvania state parks I just got to my 52nd I reached 52 state parks um two weeks ago 
And one of the things that I love about state parks is a, they usually have really good bathrooms, except for the last one I was at B uh, they always have a map. So you don't get lost when you're hiking, or at least, you know, where you're at, if you are lost and then C sometimes they have a lake and that's a really great experience after like a hot summer day and you're hiking and you're all gross and you're like, ah, oh, perfectness of sitting. And when I say swimming, I'm not like actively swimming. What I mean by swimming is I have a floaty. I lay in my floaty just enough to get like cool down. And I have a hat that I put over my eyes. That is my swimming experience. It's me floating with a hat covering my face and basically kind of semi taking a nap while trying to like block out the sounds of kids screaming. <laughs> what? From your perspective, what are pluses and minuses of solo camping? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good question. These are some good questions. I'm going to prop you on the questions because sometimes they get really boring ones. So this is good. Uh, pros and cons of solo camping. So obviously, if you are trying to set up something like a tent or uh, tarps, uh, doing it as a one person <laughs> is challenging sometimes, especially if it's raining or, or whatnot. So, and then bears, uh, you know, or random animals or critters sometimes that could, could be, uh, I keep here. We had a raccoon last week at our camp. Um, and that really freaked me out. So like the downsides of solo camping is that you are alone and hopefully you don't get eaten by a bear or like <laughs> a snake doesn't attack me. because I'm really afraid of that kind of thing. But I actually was afraid of a jumping spider, honestly, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit afraid of some things, but anyway, I will say that the benefit of solo camping is that you can just really create an experience for yourself outside of the norm. So I'm used to like working on a computer all day, but when you're solo and you don't have to argue with people about what you're going to do. Like the nice thing about doing any kind of solo travel, whether it's camping or other kind of travel is you get to decide whatever you want to do. And if you decide to change your mind, you're like, Oh, I plan to go to this thing. You know, I plan to go on a two hour hike. You know what? It's 75, it's 85 degrees. I'm not going on a two hour hike. That's nuts. I'll go walk for like half a mile and then I'll go swimming and floating for two hours. Cause nobody cares. Cause it's like, it's all me. Um, and then I get the sites where you walk in like a walk-in site versus like a drive up site. So the walk-in sites are a little bit more work because you have to like go in there to, to bring all your stuff. Like if you have camping gear and everything, but once you're in a walk-in site, typically it's much more private and secluded. So it's almost like your little apartment living space <laughs> in nature. Um, which is really nice, uh, because the one thing I don't like about campgrounds is there's a lot of people <laughs> and yeah. the whole point to me of nature is to like get away from people and experience nature. And so I feel like campgrounds can typically be the opposite of that sometimes because they're all kind of depending on where you go, they're like crammed together. So pro tip on camping for solo people who want to experience nature would be to like find the walk-in sites that are like away from the rest of the campground because you'll have a better experience if you want to like listen to the sounds of nature without the distractions of like people. 
today I had a conversation with uh, our community member and he told that he is a sound explorer. So he records different sounds. Have you ever tried something like that? I do a lot of mindful meditation around sound. Um, I haven't tried to record any sound necessarily. Um, But yeah, I think that at nighttime, for example, like the fire, I like the sound of just really engaging in the sounds of the fire and then the sounds of um, nature as you're like sleeping or like going to sleep. I think those are really and then waking up in the morning. Those are really great times to just really be cognizant of the sounds. And one of the times that I camped last year, um, it had rained in the middle of the day. Well, I had woke up and then it started raining. And then I was like, well, and this is before I had like any umbrellas or t- anything else. So I basically had the option of like getting in my car or sitting in my tent. Those are the two <laughs> options. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit in my tent. So I sat in my tent and there's like a little window, you know, so I opened the window and I just, I just laid there and like, listened to the rain laid on my comfy in my dry tent, comfy on my <laughs> air mattress. Yeah. But like looking out at the woods, because I always the other key thing is I always aim the door to the woods, not to like the, you know, drive up campsite thing so that every time I'm like opening the door or in the morning or at nighttime, I can like look at the woods versus like my car or something. Um, But those are the things that I really like about camping uh, of just I think it would be interesting to do the sound recording. I feel like that would also be a challenge for me to not have commentary. I feel like I would want to have commentary. I feel like if I was recording, I'm like, oh, what is that? That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that sounds like a raccoon. Okay, no, now it's definitely a bird. I feel like I would have a whole commentary. (laughs) It would not just be sounds of nature. (laughs) Yeah. What love came first for traveling or photography? Um, Definitely photography. I wanted to be a photojournalist since I learned about Martha Ryle, who was a photojournalist with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, when I was in high school, I was very inspired by her work. What your first photography works do you remember? Um, well, I did some, I started learning photography when I went on that Alaska trip, but when I started with, uh, when I went to art school, I did a lot of documentary photography, of events, but I also, I mentioned about my parents being missionaries. I had my documentary project for my photojournalism class that where we went to New York city and I actually had my parents stand in the same places where they were when they first met, which is kind of, and then I photographed them like traveling to these different places and like going back to the mission that they worked at in 1970 something. And, you know, seeing that it's still there and this is back in 2000 probably but i did a whole documentary project on my parents and their 
work when they met. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Also gives me a, a picture into like what it was like to be them when they were younger. <laughs> so, they, so that they can compare. Okay, what changed? Mm. Oh, ever since. Lot, yeah. <laughs> no, a lot changed. <laughs> New York City, a lot changed from like 70 to 2000. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it was interesting. There were some things that were still, you know, the subway... The biggest thing I think that we experienced was that they remembered the actual subway stops where they would they would routinely be. And and they remembered like routine characters that like, oh, the same guy used to get off the subway and he always wore this thing or something like they just re remembered certain, you know, characteristics of like the normal everyday New Yorkers, which was interesting. Was there a place which didn't change. The mission that they worked for was a mission for uh, men exclusively to help men um, who dealt with substance abuse and um, had either mental um, illness or other health challenges. And so that was still um, in existence and they still focused on um, helping, supporting men um, to help them, but you know, get off their feet mm -hmm. uh, if they were homeless or get out of addiction situations and also help them providing a meal, uh, two meals every day um, and uh, cots and, and places to sleep at night for the homeless. So that was still in existence in, in 2000. Do you plan things before doing them or do them immediately and then think about what you have done? Both. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned I was an I'm an improviser, so sometimes I do improvise uh, things. But I am at core a planner. I am very organized and like to plan out most of the trip and then be able to wing it on the fly during the trip. So when I went um, to California in 2020, I did a two week road trip, and with my ex boyfriend who is a wing it person. And I'm a planet person. And so that was definitely a challenge. But we did a little bit of both where I would start to get anxious after like we were there for two weeks. So we would be going from we flew into San Diego. We did two days in La Jolla. We uh, drove up to Los Angeles where his parents or his family lived. And then we did uh, two days uh, at Long Beach. Then we drove over to. So I planned all these trips so that we would have like two days in some place and we would stay like at an Airbnb. And then I rented an, um, a, an RV by Joshua tree national park. And so we, we stayed in an RV for a couple days. And then we were like trying to wing it after we went to Joshua tree, we were going to go over to Sequoia and we were going to camp because he had packed some camping gear. Well, by the time, so this is the night that I didn't plan. And it was like, okay, we'll leave it up to you and we'll figure out the camping situation. And um, I told him the wrong entrance to Sequoia National Park. And so we actually went in like the backside of Sequoia National Park instead of like the main entrance. And what that meant was that we spent seven, five, maybe five hours of just driving to get out of the park. Because once we, we didn't, I'm a person who doesn't like to turn around kind of a person. I'm like, let's figure out the way forward. <laughs> and we kept going forward. But as the the hours went, it was like 
it, literally we were just going along the Joshua tree is gigantic and we were just going along like the bottom corner of Joshua tree but it took us like five hours because it has such uh massive inclines it's basically like a um switchbacks the whole time and so it took us like five hours to get out of there so by the time we actually it was nighttime it was like nine eight eight nine o'clock by the time we actually like got to any kind of sort of campground stuff and all the campground like there was nobody in the office to ask about like where we could camp and stuff so we didn't know anywhere we could go to camp so then we were just getting out of the park and then luckily the first town we came across a hotel and they had one room left and by the time it was like midnight i was like i want out of this car <laughs> and i want a bed <laughs> and i want it now so that was our not planning it. And that's how that panned out. So you can see that my journey there was like, after that, I'm like, we're planning it now. Like I want to. <laughs> do you use daily affirmations? I do. I am a big affirmation person. One of my friends, Heath Armstrong, he is the founder of an organization called Rage Create. And he makes these domination decks, which are really cool. It's called the smart ass domination deck. And he and I met in 2018 and he gave me these decks. And so these cards, um, there's like a, a gigantic stack and I basically have them all over my house. I have them in my kitchen and I have them over by my meditation area where I have a chair and a table. And so every day I'm, I have them as bookmarks and, and I kind of use those as prompts, um, to kind of remind me, uh, around positivity or just being able to see a different perspective instead of being stuck in something like an anger or a sadness emotion of like, okay, how can I flip that emotion? So yeah, I usually use some kind of affirmations and I do meditate using a, an app called the 10% happier app, uh, which has a lot of different guided meditations from a lot of teachers. So those are the two things that I do as like a daily morning routine. Can you share some of your favorite affirmations? Um, I would say <laughs> I would say one of them is is just asking myself how to reframe something. If I have a thought around I don't know how I'm going to do something. Usually I don't know. Whenever I say I don't know, I end there. It's like, well, I don't know. That's like an ending point. Mm -hmm. And what I learned through uh, my work with some coaches and, and just on my own is that that's actually the starting point. So when you say, I don't know, okay, what don't I know? And why is that important? So I actually start with questions um, as affirmations to prompt me to get to different thought processes. So it might not be always like um, a positive I can't think of like a direct positive. I don't even have my card deck in front of me. I have mindfulness cards, but I don't even have my card deck in front of me right now. I'm in my other room. I usually have a card here. But um, anyway, I would say just thinking about how to reframe things. So different ways to look at stuff all the time. Like what's one thing I can do today to make myself proud? That's typically a good one. Um, or how do I want to feel today? Um, or who, you know, what, what's one thing I can be excited to share with somebody when I talk to them? It's more about like 
for me, it's more a lot more about questions than direction. Tell me about the situation when you get stuck, got stuck, and uh, you asked yourself, what should I do? And it helped you right away. There's like, that happens like every day. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like stuck every day at the time right now. Um, well, one of the biggest things that get brought me into the community industry and met you and a lot of other people was this pandemic. And I had quit my corporate job in 2019 um, to become a travel writer. And then I was pitching travel publications. And then all of a sudden, this whole thing started happening. And I realized, oh, I guess travel isn't going to work for me right now as a career. Like to be a travel writer when nobody's traveling. Um, so what what do I do? And I had a lot of... I don't know what I'm doing with my life kind of situation. And one of the things that I had been doing was bringing people together in person. And how I decided to pivot was to ask other people how they transitioned virtually. So I did a lot of like asking others. And, and one of the things that I learned was I needed to ask for help. And there's a lot of my life where I spent that I just was, I can figure this out myself. I can get through this by myself. And the last two years have definitely proven to me that I need help and I need to ask for help. So I think when I'm in a challenging situation where I'm stuck, for example, like this whole, I had an idea and a plan and then that whole plan went to crap in 2020. <laughs> then um, I talked to some, I asked some people and I just sat in the room virtually with people that I really admired and kind of just observed what they were doing. And then I, and they gave me an opportunity to, to, to talk. This one person gave me an opportunity to talk with him one-to-one. Uh, -one, and I was explaining to him like some of the things I was struggling with. And he said, oh, well, here's, you know, here are some examples of what you could do. And that is how I got into the community industry is, is just by really asking some questions, exploring what do I actually want to do what do I actually want to experience? One of the things I actually want to experience was finding more calm, but I didn't really know exactly what that meant. What I realized was through conversations with people. Once I noticed uh, you posted a picture and uh, the words were, someone once asked me, why do you always insist on taking the hard road? And uh, I replied, why do you assume I see two roads? What does it mean for you? Oh, that's one of my favorite quotes. Because <clears throat> what it means to me is that some people have opinions about how other people should live. And <clears throat> some people would say, why do you do it that way? Well, I didn't know there was another way to do it. First of all, I didn't spend 17 years trying to figure out which way was the right way before I took a step. I just took steps and then went. So I think it's more about awareness of wanting to, to know the right path, but going, not knowing and going anyway. But also acknowledging that a question 
is now it's a prompting question for me and, and asking myself before I like go 17 layers into something, is this the path I want to go? Is this the best way to go? And what is the outcome that I want to experience with this forward motion of whatever it is? And that kind of helps me prompt me a little bit to ask a little a couple more questions. What season do you like the most? Fall, hands down. Why? <sighs> leaves, air. The air is just crisp and the leaves change colors here in Pennsylvania. And just have this amazing, um, the weather is just so nice. It's like sweatshirt, jacket, you know, light jacket weather. And um, so it's my favorite time to just go on some hikes and have a campfire and uh, and be able to like not feel hot or cold. It's just kind of the perfect weather. Do you like this mushroom hunting or how it's called? Mushroom hunting? Yeah, gathering mushrooms and so on. I do not gather mushrooms. <laughs> I do not go mushroom hunting. I know what you mean. I've had people that I've met that have done the mushroom thing, but I actually think I might be allergic to mushrooms, so yeah. I'm not going out of my way to gather them. It's totally <laughs> not the best way to gather them. So, yeah. Do you have a bonsai tree? Oh, goodness, no. I <clears throat> was really working on trying to, like, have plants in my house in 2020, and it was this whole adventure of <clears throat> spending a lot of money on getting plants at the store uh, and then them dying one by one. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, my last plant died a few months ago and my mother for my birthday brought me fake flowers <laughs> and fake plants. So she it was she was like, Deb, I think we're just, you know, the whole plant thing for you is just not going to happen. So bonsai would be is a whole nother level of plant that I would not want to attempt to kill. Uh, you you may have a fake bonsai tree, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, fake bonsai tree is the only kind of bonsai tree that would last at my house. How do you enjoy the moments? This moment? Ge <laughs> any in moment? In general, any moments. How do you enjoy them? Um, I really have found that it's really amazing to sit and in some silence <clears throat> and really notice what's around you, like just where you are, feet on the ground, having the feeling of like really feeling your feet on the ground, feeling your hands, you know, on your lap or on the surface. <clears throat> because what happens is you then your breathing slows and you feel more calm. And so that's what I typically work to do. But if with, with other people, I find that I really try to eliminate distractions so that I can be 120% in the conversation with, with people or when I'm in the presence of others, I really want to show up and listen. And so I typically don't have my phone on. It's, you know, in a bag or it's away or it's not around me. And I don't have other distractions I'm really focused on um, connecting with another person when I'm with people. And I think that's a sign of respect and honoring the person that you're with. 
And it wasn't something I've always been skilled at. <laughs> and it's not always something I do really well. Sometimes I get in my own little tangents and worlds. But that's, I really love having really uh, meaningful conversations with people and being really present with people by, and that just to me shows them they matter and that I know that. Once you met a person rollerblading with a shark suit on, and he told you that just wanted people to be happy. What do you want people to be? Yeah, he was a funny character, Sharky. Yeah. He even wrote a book. He had a bo had a book with all the photographs of people he met in 2020. Uh, it was all over the news in our area. He's funny. Um, I think it's a great sentiment to want people to be happy, but happy is defined a lot differently by a lot of people. I think a lot of people resonate with calm. And so I, I know that's something that in the last specifically in the last couple of years has been really challenging for a lot of people and where you are is very challenging to even attempt at that. But I think there's moments that we can set ourselves up for success in a way to provide us ourselves to feel calm. And if we are calmer, I really truly believe that if I am a calmer person, I'm going to step out into the world as a calmer person. And that is just going to have a ripple effect with people I come in contact with. So I think when you're asking what I want to feel, what I want others to feel when they're around me or, or with me, or <clears throat> even if we're celebrating in a party and it's an energizing situation, I always feel like there's an element, even if it's um, a, a higher elevated energy situation, there's always a level of calm that you can bring to it. Describe this feeling of calm what does it feel to you like what is what is the meaning of being calm uh, i think slowness like a slower breath not feeling so like my typically the opposite of anxiety is what i typically say <laughs> yeah. like, um the chest you know heartbeat racing or feeling jittery it's the opposite of that it's feeling connected to my body and connected to the present where I am. So the connectedness, I think, is a key, key piece of it. And the acceptance component, I think, is what I gravitate to as well. If, if you're in a space where you feel safe and you know that um, the people in that space are people you can trust, that is going to help you feel a lot more calm. And so I think that means you have to set yourself up for success by creating your own safe space, whatever that means for you, whatever that word means for you. And one of the things that I've done when I um, got into my new place was I created an environment where I set myself up to experience the, the feeling of calm. One of my friends is a interior designer and she helps people pick out colors based on moods and we created a mood board when I first um before I had furniture and all of these things and we put together the color palettes of the mood board and the mood board was about calm and so the living room and my house has grays and whites 
and lighter blues and those were the calming more um when i when i was asked with questions that she sent me of what's this call mean to me those colors the images and the graphics like the photographs that i've picked the um, artwork that i have in my house the elimination of clutter like the just simplicity of not too much all of those elements come together to create in a calming environment <clears throat> that I live in. And then organizationally wise, that could even ap apply to my digital space of, mm -hmm. I try to get to inbox zero every day. I don't have a lot of email. I unsubscribe to things that I don't want in my inbox. And I intentionally organize my, ver my digital space for my own ability to feel calm as well as writing emails with directness and simplicity and shortness. All of those things combined help me to create a calmer experience for myself and for other people. I don't know if that was like the question you're answer you were looking for. <laughs> what social media apps do you have on your phone? Um, the ones that I use most, I have, uh, well, I'll tell you a couple of different things. I am a little bit of addicted to Amazon right now. So I do have some things always in my Amazon cart. So I definitely have that. I also have um, Airbnb and Verbo on my phone because I'm always constantly <laughs> loving to like look at places to go. So I'm always like looking for the next like, Airbnb that I want to stay at, for example. Um, and then the other, the Mighty Networks is uh, what my community is on and that I'm in a lot of Mighty Networks. So I have the, I always have the Mighty Networks app on my phone. I just put the Circle app on my phone to, to discover what their app is about. Um, social media wise, I have um, Instagram. I typically post on Instagram and then have it go to Facebook. I do have Facebook, but I don't typically use that a whole bunch. Or Instagram. I'm not really on those platforms. I don't have Twitter on my phone. Um, my you know, I, my most used apps are probably my meditation app, which is the 10% happier app. My camera, and my my camera on my phone, <clears throat> and then um, my email. Do you have and music? Oh, and Spotify. Sorry, Spotify. Oh. I love yes. Spotify. Because um, I get the paid version only because I ha when I read, I need music, like uh, either classical or some kind of like um, calming music. I basically have calming playlists that I just find and like use those. Um, they help me focus when I'm reading. So I usually have Spotify on there a lot too. And then I have playlists for Spotify when I go camping and like to jam when I'm setting up my tent and stuff. Do you like visiting art galleries? I love, I love, love, love art galleries. Yes. What for was the latest? Really, there's some really visit? great art galleries I've been to. One of the most notable galleries that I've been to this year was at St. Petersburg, Florida at the Dolly Museum, which is phenomenal. Um, amazing architecture and just amazing um, artwork in there. So that was one of my favorite galleries. Um, my second favorite gallery is the Met in New York City. 
But what gallery have I been to recently? This, um, there's a really great gal gallery in, <clears throat> in Harrisburg where I live called the Susquehanna Art Museum. And they have uh, always have some good shows that I like to stop in and, and talk to some of the artists when they have talkbacks. Are you a member of some uh, artists' communities? I am not currently a member, but I've been a member for a number of years with the Harrisburg Art Association. And there is a Carl. I just moved to Cumberland County. So there's actually a Carlisle Art Association that I've been meaning to reach out to because I think I do want to start. I was exhibiting my artwork um, for a number of years, and I think I want to do a couple submissions, uh, which is another side thing that I want to do. Um, but I'm not a current member of, of an actual um, group or collective, but I, I really have, I'm always supportive of the arts. And thankfully, we got some more money to support arts in the, the recent budget that Pennsylvania legislature just passed. So arts is continuing to be an important thing for our childhood education as well as adults. What were you thinking while watching a demolition derby? <laughs> um so my friend got me to go to this demolition derby thing and all i could think about was why <laughs> like the only thing that i sat there was like why is this a thing i don't get it um people ramming their cars into each other's cars that's the only point of this whole thing and we're just sitting there eating hot dogs and french fries and watching it all happen and hopefully ha waiting for like a fire to explode and i'm just like why the whole time i'm just sitting there like why and my friend's like this is really great it's so cool i'm like all right i'm there i'm here for you girl <laughs> yeah i don't know other than that i was just like this is it's one of those things where people i'm just like okay It's not my jam, but all right. <laughs> What following intuition mean for you? Following your intuition. Is that what you said? Following intuition. <clears throat> That's such a loaded question. <laughs> you could go out of directions with that, but I'll say uh, for me, it means tapping into what, what, feels right for me, what feels good for me. Um, and then deciding to stick with my values around it. Sometimes it's a lot easier for me to go with the flow or go with what other people are saying is the right thing to do. And sometimes that's not how, it, that's not in alignment with what I feel. So I think when, when I'm in alignment with my intuition, it means that I'm doing what I feel like is the thing that I need to do. And that might not be the thing that other people think is the right thing to do but that's the thing that i need to do does that make sense totally totally i wish to have the sky as the limit to our conversation but time is the limit so let's jump to the rapid fire questions are you ready yes rainy or sunny day sunny day chilling on the beach or hiking beach <laughs> what are your favorite color and song blue song that's tough um 
The only thing song that's coming to right mind right now is "You Are My Sunshine." <laughs> and who who is the singer? So. Oh, I don't. It's like an old song that we used to sing growing up. Um, but I will say, ironic by Alanis Morissette. Let there, I'll give you that because I want to go see Alanis Morissette's coming to Ocean City, Maryland. I'm trying to get there for her concert in October. So I'll say my favorite song of all time is probably "Ironic" by Alanis Morissette. Cool. Name two people whose community life journey you are happy to hear about. Hmm. There's so many people that have interesting journeys. Um. I really love watching my travel blogger friends. Um, there's there's a couple um, neat and um, I'm blanking on name now, but I have two friends that do travel blogging and they travel all over the place and it's super inspiring. And I just love to see how they <clears throat> go through in different um, different areas and travel. And they are so focused on building community in person and, and how to build better relationships in person, which I really love. So that's one of the um, people I follow, the two people I follow. They're doing a lot. If you were a superhero, what superpower would you have? Reading people's minds. I would love to know what people are thinking because <laughs> <laughs> it's always like, what are you I always have the question of like what are you thinking or where did that come from I would love to be like in that person instead of being like I don't know if you do this but I do this I back I backstory myself so I'll have a thought and then I'll be like where did that thought come from oh I was drinking a glass of water and then I had a thought about that I should get some more water and then I realized that the picture is in full and so I had to go you know like it's just like I just I back journey stuff so I feel like if I could hear the back journey of like how people made a decision or did something, I think that would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I also think sometimes, how did I get there? So I totally understand what you're talking about. Is there one question that I definitely should have asked you, but didn't? What's the craziest thing I've ever done? What's the craziest thing you've ever done? Becoming a river rafting guide. In 2019, I trained and became a river rafting guide in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. It took and six weeks to terrify myself and not die in a river. <laughs> and then I and then I be and I guided. Uh, as a guide for for the summer and you're still doing it no <laughs> i i did it in 2019 and then things happened in 2020 and so my life kind of shifted but it is a goal for 2023 um for next year because i need to get back into some healthy shape so that i feel like i can not die <laughs> in the river <laughs> Uh, but once I've, my plan is to get back into shape so that I can do river guiding again next year. Oh, wow. Deb, thank you very much for this conversation. It's so amazing to dive deep in all of those things you tell us, like tell me, 
not us, yeah. tell me. So, yeah, it's it's like, you know, it feels like I know you for so many years after this conversation. So thank you very much for being so open and sharing your life story. It was of super course. awesome. And thank you for the amazing deep diving questions. It's a definitely a different interview that I'm used to having, but it's a really great one because this is the stuff that community is all about. It's really getting to know people better and being able to go deeper. And I'm so thankful that you're, you're out there doing this kind of work. So thanks for having me. Hey, so see you later in the community journey. And bye. I will. All right. <laughs> take care.